edition of Leadership on the Go. This is Erica Walker-Thomas broadcasting from the United States today. And we are so happy to have with us Miss Catherine Kirk, who is going to uh, share with us her experience from traveling around the world. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Erica. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Yes, yes, yes. So let's get started, Catherine. Um, I'm so happy that you actually have familiarity with uh, multiple cultures outside of the U.S. So tell us just a little bit of, about that, your, your exposure and familiarity with different cultures. Well, Erica, when I was uh, in college, I had the privilege um, to travel to France and live abroad for a couple of years um, to work on my collegiate studies, language, and, and French history. In addition, I've, I've traveled and uh, spent some time in Panama, where my husband and his family originate. So uh, I was really it, it, different experiences, but immersed in, in those two very different cultures. And I really come away with that with similar feelings. It's real life stories that, that really um, let us know that we are in a different culture. Can you think of a time either in Panama or in France where you said, okay, I am not in the United States anymore? You know, one of the holidays, uh, traditions, um, every culture has a tradition. I think, you know, being an American, um, the traditions are just sort of are innate because you live them and you don't really take note of what they mean until you see others. Uh, I'd say in France, uh, one of the traditions that I think existed here, as the United States is a melting pot of other cultures, uh, meals are very important in, in France, in French culture. Um, you spend maybe two hours at the dinner table. This is every day. But in that span of time, you are socializing children, you know, bonding with your family members and friends, um, really sharing meals. And food is, is, is held in, in such a different esteem. Uh, here in the U.S., we've become so, I think, engrossed in immediacy and um, meals have become compromised. And I think, you know, we have, you know, Christmas tradition and Thanksgiving traditions, but, you know, in the French culture, that is an everyday tradition. Uh, I think for the Central American culture, the Latin culture, Panamanian, I mean, I don't want to, um, you know, minimize each, but there's some similar threads there as well. And, um, you know, the family bond and taking care of elders um, and children you know, tend to be in one household. And it's just, just unheard of to have children go to daycare or for elders to go to senior care. Um, there's, there's something to be really held and cherished about. It's, it's uh, funny you brought up food. I do remember uh, being in Paris and, and uh, the, the meals lasting for a long time and, and having wine with every meal. And, and I thought, I'm going to bring this back to the United States. I'm going to start taking two hours for lunch and spend real quality time with the people I'm with. And that lasted about two weeks. And then I was back to eating, standing up in the car, etc. So my question is, how did you really learn to acclimate to those different cultures as you were living there? You know, coming from a place that is about immediacy um, often, um, how did you get, um, into those cultures and, and really embrace them? Good question. I think that, um, you know, we all have certain skills and um, I think gifts. 
And one of the gifts I, I believe I possess is, is the gift of acclimation. Wherever I am, I seem to adapt and sort of take on. Now, the other piece of that, Erica, is that because you're in an environment where, you know, um, achievement isn't necessarily replaced by tradition, which is what I find here in the U.S., um, we have, um, you know, our cap capitalism is, is certainly one of the drivers, I think, in the undercurrents of achievement and material achievement. So all those things tend to replace some of those traditions. Well, in France, you know, material achievement is there, but it's just not, it's just not primary. It's, it's just not, you don't feel the current of that. Certainly with the globalization of our economies, that has become more of a tradition. I've been in France, you know, in the last five years, and it's very different than it was in 1989. Um, so the globalization of just the world and Starbucks and Burger King, I mean, I saw Burger King in a 2000 year old building and it just, it was just disheartening because next to it was a patisserie, which is, you know, where the bakery where people go every morning to get their bread. Well, we buy bread once a week and it lasts a week. They buy bread every day. So I think that the environment lends to one's ability to acclimate. Certainly you can do research and you can, um, you know, read and you can talk to people, but there's nothing like being immersed in the culture to really get a sense of, of the tradition and, and your ability to act. So Kathy, for, for people who are listening to you who want to travel outside of the country, but perhaps, you know, are, are just a little concerned about their own ability to acclimate, any suggestions or thoughts you might have for them? And, you know, not coming from an expert's perspective, but just, you know, someone who's lived it. Um, it just any thoughts on, on what we could do to encourage them? That's a great question. I think one thing that's so difficult for us to do here in the U.S., because listening is actually a skill and it's difficult. If you observe, if you listen, you'll be able to observe. So observation and listening are, I think, one of the key points. And really hear, because sometimes things that are said don't have the exact meaning. So in listening, and certainly if you have a language barrier or if you're learning a language, you may not know the nuances of that language and what's really being said. Um, someone may offer you something, but the offer may be just a gesture, but it's not meant for you to actually take the offer. I mean, so there's just very different sorts of small nuances. And certainly to find someone who is willing to, um, to befriend you in a way, to have courageous conversations with you and you let them know that it's okay to, I won't say be corrected, but just sort of guide into you know, what works and doesn't work. I'll give you a great example. I was learning um, in my speaking, I was probably in France for maybe a month. And just the way you talk about your possessive, you talk in the possessive, you have to put a word, it's like a pronoun in front of the verb. So the verb to forget. So I was trying to express that I forgot something. And I said, je m'oublie. And everyone laughed. And, you know, I just, I didn't realize what was going on. Well, to forget yourself in French is to urinate on yourself. So, you know, I was correct, but there's just a nuance of the way that you speak in colloquial French versus standard French. So, you know, it was all in jest and I wasn't embarrassed because I knew that I needed to have this coaching. And it was, we, you know, had a family who was just very generous. And so, you know, eight months down the line, I had it all done, but that was those first three months.
I see. I love that story. That's perfect. And, and, and that's a great takeaway, Kathy, um, in terms of being a good listener and, and not just listening, but really hearing what's going on. And I'm assuming that's also body language as well. Right. So, and then having somebody who's willing to be an advocate for you, a friend who um, can tell you what's appropriate and what isn't. And if I'm hearing you correctly, being willing to receive feedback, right? That that's, that's big. Yeah. Thank you for that. So what do you think? Um, and, and again, just from your observation, sometimes I observe Americans go over to other countries, but we uh, have a more difficult time valuing others' cultures. Why, why do you think that is? That is uh, a tricky question in a way. Uh, however, there is, again, that undertone of our culture, the American culture. Uh, for so long, I, seen, I think since at least pre- and post-World War II, particularly post-World War II, we stood as sort of the model of civilization, modern, modern civilization. So there was this tone, uh, and it's tone. Um, you know, we didn't have the technology we have today. We didn't have, you know, the express communication. We had the telephone, we had letters, you know, and we had some television in 1940. Not everyone had that access. But still, it's so interesting that, you know, a tone can cross, cross the water. I mean and cross all kinds of cultures. And everyone knew we want to be like America. So for us, if everyone wanted to be like us, then, then we take on that standard of everyone should be like us. So then there's no, there was no willingness for us as Americans to learn others because they need to be like us. We don't need to be like them. So I think, you know, particularly in the French culture, they're not quite as open. They really are very guarded about their traditions and their cultures. And they see the holes and the, sort of the, um, the shallowness of the American culture. Whereas you go into the Italian culture and the Spanish culture, they're just warmer and they're more accepting of our differences. And certainly in Panama, Panama, of course, for the last hundred years has been pretty much occupied by the U.S. So they've taken on a lot of our uh, traditions and sort of seek to be more like us, um, particularly because they're developing nations. And developing nations certainly want to establish more um, I think consistency and stability. And so we're seen as, as both of those things where as in Western Europe, they're already civilized. And so they have their own traditions. And I think that, um, we have to adapt. We have to adapt to the changing. And certainly now it's very clear that we are not necessarily the same. Right. Okay. It does. Absolutely. It does. Um, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about, you know, your experience in France and in Panama, and clearly you have done some work either from coordinating or visiting in, in other parts of the world as, as well. Catherine, what do you think um, the value is for us um, as Americans to go over to other countries and, and, and learn more about their culture and for other cultures to, to come over to the U.S. and be immersed into ours. What, what value do you think can, can come out of that? Well, as you um, might know, I work in corporate diversity. And certainly the value there is tremendous. Uh, companies need to do business with other companies in other countries. Uh, workforces are changing and becoming more diverse by the day. 
uh, also, you know, gender demographics, age demographics. I mean, it's just all a mix, but, you know, diversity is the mix and inclusion is making the mix work. So, um, you know, that certainly dictates, as all the other aspects of culture have dictated, business seems to set trends. Um, certainly in our media, we have biases and unconscious biases that operate. And, uh, you know, all of those set the tone for how people are going to be open to, to change. Um, many people don't get to read the newspaper, they watch the news. Um, so, you know, your more educated population can get into it deeper. And then, you know, those who don't have time or just, you know, really are racing and moving around count on structured organizations like companies and the media to really set the tone. Um, I think that's, you know, outside of personal, personal and intellectual pursuits, people um, really have to be exposed to exposure. You know, it's interesting, um, the role of an organization setting the tone. I had not really thought about it that way. But for those who are perhaps not particularly interested or are too busy, you're, you're right. The, the, the organization really plays a very strong role um, in setting the tone and, and how we not only see ourselves, but see others uh, um, as well because of the business that we're doing. Great, great point. Yeah. So, Kathy, I have to ask you, uh, being a woman, have you noticed any shifts in um, a, a woman's role as you look at um, different cultures around the world? Are you, are you seeing any differences um, lately? Uh, I think that the shift in female roles has been evolving um, in my lifetime. I have observed uh, women become, in greater numbers, uh, the household earners. Um, given you know, the economic uh, instability and just, again, in the U.S., the demand for achievement and material and establishment, it's almost necessary for the woman to work. If you look at the shrinking middle class, I mean, in order to stay above... Um, you know, above that category, uh, not fall below, it's, it's almost in, incumbent uh, upon women to work. And men who, single parent households and um, couples that are married, it's, you know, there's just no um, way to really avoid that. How that affects other cultures and how that's affected other cultures, I think in, in Western Europe and, and in Western civilization in general, that's just a trend. So um, in developing countries, you know, it's still, I think, a lot slower, but, you know, because their lives are simpler, the need isn't as great. And I mean, I find it to be quite precious for a woman to stay home with her child through her, through their primary years and then maybe have a craft or a trade. Um, you know, we have a lot to learn um, with respect to that. I mean, not, I'm a working mom, so of course I don't have uh, any prejudice against staying home, but I think that to have a child with its family um, for that time is, is just precious. And it's in a way a shame that we're losing that as a choice. It should be a choice, not, not a requirement. So I think for the most part, women are, are required to work if they're in a situation where uh, that, that economy and that society requires a certain level of. Um, okay. Okay. 
So Catherine, last question. You know, one of the major goals for Leadership on the Go is to provide cross-cultural business acumen um, so that we can perform better in this global economy. But the other major goal of Leadership on the Go is to provide a better place for all of us to live and work. And we really want to do that by creating better global citizens. So any thoughts on just one thing that we can do to create better global, global citizens? Access to other cultures is very simple now. We have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have LinkedIn. I think that the internet has shrunk the world. You know, that six degree of separation that we once um, you know, could laugh about, and certainly yeah, the older we get, the, the, the closer that degrees shrinks. But, you know, even a teenager who, it could be in rural, you know, Kansas, and get to New York, get to Beijing, um, get to uh, Mumbai in a click. So I think that tool is uh, one of the ways um, an individual can, can connect with the rest of the world. News is instantaneous now. We don't have to wait for it to go to a site and find something real time. Um, certainly organizations um, can also give us a platform from which to um, increase and expand our knowledge. That's fantastic, Catherine. And, and all of those are very simple things to do, right? To be better global citizens um, instead of uh, thinking you know or making assumptions about other cultures, use the internet. Uh, to learn more, do, have some chats on Facebook, Twitter, things of that nature. Look at uh, world news reports versus just your local news, really simple things. And of course, there are organizations around the world that are, are dedicated to these types of things. So thanks for providing that. I, I appreciate it. Well, it has been a pleasure having you, Catherine. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I hope that we can interview you again as I know that you'll be continuing to do work um, around the world and we want to hear about it. So thank you. Hey Erica.